This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, January 23rd, 2022. Miracles Casting Out Demons. Good morning, Connection Church. How is everybody? Good. We want to welcome you here and those online. We are honored and blessed that you have joined us today. We really need each other. And so just to be able to gather in the community of faith together, um, either online, because there's an online host, Lorraine, thank you so much, and those of us here, it is just good to be together. Amen, amen. So today we continue our series on some of the miracles of Jesus. We find them in the uh, book of Luke, that's the third book of the New Testament, the second part of the Bible. So today our focus is on Jesus casting out demons from a man whose life had been overtaken by them. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you so much for today, for joining us. Uh, well, we're joining you, Lord, in everything. Um, but we love worshiping. We love proclaiming your name. And now settle us in as we take a look at kind of a difficult passage in the Bible together, help us um, at the end of this message be able to apply it to our lives uh, for change and transformation wherever we are, right where we are. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. So our scripture for today immediately follows the scripture we shared last week, last week when Jesus uh, and, the, and the disciples were in the boat and a great, great storm came up. This immediately follows. This is Luke 8, and this is verses 26 through 39. So let's get started. Yeah, so before I read this, I just need to share that for me, this scripture is really tough. We have been talking about Jesus calming the storm and healing the shriveled hand and you know, the wonderful story about the friends lowering their friend through the roof, and all that feels so good. And this one, not so much. Actually, though, at the end, it's even more dramatic, what happens. So just stick with us on this. Stick with us as we go through this scripture. Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 29, or through 39. They, Jesus and the disciples, sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. So here we find the why, <laughs> why for last week's message, why Jesus said to the disciples one day, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And it wasn't just for a joy ride, was it? He was on a mission, a very specific destination he had in mind, very specific reason 
for wanting to cross that lake. There was a man on the other side who needed Jesus very badly, very badly. Jesus and his power to exorcise, that's E-X-O-R, not exorcise, but exorcise the demons that were controlling this man's life. His condition wasn't something new, as the scripture tells us. He'd been running around naked, without clothes, naked, living in the cemetery for a long time. So it's interesting that this man knew who Jesus was. Well, maybe it's not this man, but the impure spirits knew who Jesus was. The impure spirits that possessed the man. They knew Jesus by name. (laughs) Hmm. So many people uh, don't believe in Jesus. But here's the thing, Satan sure does. Not believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior, but acknowledging that Jesus is Lord of all, and Satan continually fights for vies for that position. Can never, can never win. That's the good news. Can never win. But this impure spirit seemed to fear Jesus, crying out, asking what Jesus wanted with him, begging him not to be tortured. As Jesus' first thing was to command the spirit to leave the man. That's the last verse in 29a. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. 29b through 30. Many times it, the impure spirit, had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains. Can you imagine having the strength to break chains? And had been driven by the demon into solitary places. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. So it appears that this was not the first time that the impure spirits seized this guy. The spirit was so powerful, so powerful within the man, that the man could break free of these chains that that Alan just spoke of um, that held his hands and feet, and it drove this man into these solitary places, places like a graveyard away from family and friends, away from social interaction, away from the living, away from life. To spend time in a graveyard among tombs, away from life, alone, isolated. Satan really loves to isolate us. In fact, I'm feeling like this pandemic is, I'm not saying it's Satan. No, do not hear me say that. But it's been used to isolate us from one another. And Satan is so clever in the way isolation takes place mm. in our lives. Well, Satan will use it. God will use it. Reminds Absolutely. us of the cosmic battle that's going on all the time, which leads us to the next point. When Jesus asked him his name, he responded, Legion. Legion. A legion was the largest unit of soldiers in the Roman army, averaging about 5,000 men, sometimes more, sometimes less. And so a legion there can refer to any large number 
of beings. As such, he was possessed by not just one, but by many impure spirits. And again, this reminds us, we're not only in a battle, we're in a war, aren't we? We're in a constant cosmic war. Good, evil, God and Satan. Wow. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demon came out of the man, they went into the pigs. Demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Mm. The abyss, the abyss, the bottomless pit of hell. These demons begged Jesus not to send them there. We're not told why. Maybe they enjoyed where they were. <laughs> and they didn't want to leave. Maybe they didn't want to be confined to the pit of hell, although we usually think that's where, where demons reside anyway, isn't it? So that's kind of funny. Whatever the reason, they begged Jesus not to send them there. And this is the interesting part. Jesus acquiesced, and we have to ask why. It doesn't tell us why, but... Why would he do that? Maybe it was, you know, people like to see things. It's, we're visual. We, and maybe this was an outward invisible sign to show to people that Jesus had the power over these evil spirits. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his, what? Right mind. Hmm. <laughs> and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. Mm -hmm. So we have the miracle, don't we? The miracle. The man who'd been naked and run around the dead places, the graveyard, spending time among the dead, is found sitting at Jesus' feet. Isn't that a great picture? Reminds me of Martha and Mary where the one sister sitting at Jesus' feet, you know, just soaking it in. And he was dressed and this is the one I really love. And he was in his right mind. He was in his right mind. You know, it tells you where he was before, doesn't it? In his right mind. You know, the, the things were the way they should be. He's in his right mind. They were, it, it, order was restored. Uh, he was thinking clearly. His mind was no longer out of order. He was, he was in his right mind dressed and sitting at Jesus' feet, relaxed, unburdened, demon-free. Oh, yeah. Able to listen to what Jesus had to say, undistracted, soaking it in, learning from the Master. What a glorious picture of freedom, of, of change and transformation. Change is just uh, minor. Transformation is night and day, which this was. Of experiencing that new life that Jesus promises. The people who had seen this miracle of Jesus told others how this man 
whose life had been demon-possessed, how he was set free, how he was cured, how he was, well, he was saved, wasn't he? He was saved. And he was also able to rejoin the community. He was no longer isolated. But instead of celebrating this transformation and this newfound freedom for Legion, the people asked Jesus to leave. They were overcome with fear. What were they afraid of? We're not told, but here's a couple things that we thought about. Maybe it was just too much power and that was like overcoming. It was like, oh, oh my goodness. I, I, I can remember the first time I felt kind of overcome with the Holy Spirit. I was in 10th grade and it just felt electric in my body. And it scared me, quite honestly. And I walked away for a while because it's like, no, I don't get this. I don't want this. It's too weird. <laughs> yeah. It could have been that. Maybe they were afraid of that. Here's another thing maybe they were afraid of. Maybe they were afraid that Jesus would put impure spirits in more pigs and they would lose a lot of their economy. Because think about this. All these pigs went over the ledge. They were like gone. In fact, when we take a look at the book of Mark, in the Bible, Mark says that there's like up to 2,000 pigs, so that's a lot of capital. Maybe they were really concerned about, cha-ching, money. A lot of lost bacon. A lot of lost bacon. Carl. Carl would be crying, man. Yeah. No, not the pigs. No. Anything else but the pigs. Three. Maybe they just didn't understand. Maybe... They just didn't get it, and so it's like, okay, just leave. I just don't get it. Just leave. And so whatever the reason, it seems that when we look at the big picture, the people were really more concerned about the pigs that were drowned than the soul that was found. The pigs that were drowned rather than the soul that was found. More concerned with dollars Hmm. the demons cost rather than the soul that had been lost. Think about that. Wow. There's a 20th century theologian, maybe some of you have heard of him. His name's Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a powerful testimony. His writings are like incredible to read. He shares a lot about grace in his writings. And he says that salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. Hmm. What is a life worth? What is a life in Christ worth? It's a good question. For Jesus, he was willing to give everything he had. But what about us? To what length are we willing to go for another human soul? What are we willing to do? What comfort zone are we willing to come out of just a little bit to perhaps share a testimony, perhaps give a little bit more, perhaps volunteer in a place that is not comfortable? I'm not just talking about church. I'm just talking about overall. What is the price? What about us? So demon possession... Um 
it's kind of scary, it's a little weird, and you know, for us, it's, uh, many of us, it's a little bit foreign. Uh, but here's the thing, it isn't just something that happened uh, 2,000 years ago, it's still around. You know, we've, I think I've shared before, we've seen it in India when we were there. Uh, we didn't see somebody breaking chains, running around a graveyard naked, but we've seen people convulsing on the floor. Uh, I mean, I remember a street preacher one time, and I'd asked the guy who was leading the, the team, how would I know if somebody's possessed? I said, you'll know, you'll know. And the first time I preached out in the street, I saw this guy with very dark black eyes, right about where you are, Murray. <laughs> <laughs> And these dark eyes were just boring. You know, if they, if they had been lasers, I would have been dust, just boring through me. And then uh, other places where people just... That's really riding. a long distance to be able to see somebody like that. Yeah, well, those eyes were like lasers, man. Maybe not quite that far, but yeah, it's wow. hard to tell. Pretty close, pretty close. Um, you know, uh, we, we preached at a church there. They, I, I don't think it's the initial name, but they call it the Church of the Demoniacs. Because everybody in that church had been delivered from a demon. And, and, and at the end of preaching, I got to preach there. There's a line of people waiting to be prayed for. And about the fourth one in, oh yeah, got to pray over that guy. Wow, that's, that's quite, a, quite an experience pray, to pray for someone with demons and to pray the name of Jesus. Because you don't want to talk to the demons, you want to talk to Jesus. Talk to the demons. <laughs> You know, I've had the privilege to pray there and, uh, and see Jesus and the Holy Spirit at work, relieving people of those demons of that. That's just a powerful experience to watch Jesus at work like that. So I just want to say about that particular culture, it's only like 2% Christian. <laughs> that's in the good part. That's in the yeah. Christian parts. <laughs> the rest is um, they worship Lots of gods, like the rat god and the this god and the that god. I remember seeing bowls of milk out on the street where the kids were starving, but they had to put milk out for the rat god. So, of course, there's going to be... They have stuff. 300 million gods. Yeah. So 300 million. That's why um, our participation with our friends um, in that area is critical. Because they can do some things that we can't. And our financial support there yeah. is so crucial. We're going to be careful with what we say. But it's just not in India. Just not in India. We've seen people here who have appeared to have demons who needed prayer, who um, through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit have received freedom, have received transformation, new life in Christ. The power of Jesus to exercise minions of Satan is as powerful as ever. This isn't just a back then. Is as powerful today as was back then. Miracles still happen today. It's not a back then. It's a here and now. Here's the thing about our current culture. Satan's work is often a whole lot more subtle than in other places of the world. We have demons, like in this story, but they just might be not be as obvious to the people walking by. Hmm. Ours look different. We have demons of addiction. 
That has been one of my demons. You all know that and praise God for years out of that. Only may God get the glory for every day, one day at a time. But it happens all shapes, all sizes. We have demons of pornography and lust and deviancy. And there's also ones that are even more subtle than that. Demons of self-centeredness and greed and envy. Oh, they're not demons. Oh, yes, they are. Oh, that's like a respectable. No, it's not. <laughs> lots and lots of demons. And even though we may not be naked and running around a graveyard, we've lost our freedom. And Satan has a hold of us, has us stripped down, so to speak. And we don't have to stay that way. Because he is greater. Always. In Christ. Always. Jesus wins. We need Jesus today as much as that man in this story in Luke chapter 8 needed 2,000 years ago. To clothe us, to put us in our right mind. Now, I didn't even want to preach this sermon today. I told Barry this, I told Alan this, but I am fired up right now. <laughs> because we need Jesus to clothe us and to put us in our right mind. To give us New life, connecting with Jesus and the new life he offers. Luke 8, 38-39. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town, how much Jesus had done for him. So sometimes Jesus sends us away, far away, to tell others. And some of us have been on mission trips to do that. And sometimes Jesus tells us to go home and bloom where we're planting, sharing Jesus with people that we know, people that we love. And actually, that is a bit harder, I <laughs> must say. It's a little more challenging to share with people closest to us. But perhaps that's more the norm for us that Jesus is telling us. Go home. Share what I've done for you. What I can do for them. Share the good news right where you are. So as we said at the beginning of this morning, when Jesus had the disciples get in the boat last week to cross the lake, he wasn't just going for a joyride with the boys. He had a mission in mind. And here's the thing. This mission started with just one person. Just a single, solitary person was his mission when he crossed that lake. A person in dire need of freedom, freedom from the demons that were haunting him, freedom from the shackles of sin, held him hostage as he was busting free from the chains on his hands and feet. It was Jesus and Jesus alone who had the power to free this man, to release him, to return to himself, get in his right mind, to return to himself and those around him, to allow him to quietly sit at the feet of the master now his Lord and Savior, one man, 
was Jesus' mission. We found an online devotional by, it's called the Roseville Cottage Girls. Very interesting. They have like this recipes and, you know, like Pinterest kind of stuff on their um, website. It's a mom and two daughters, but they have, it's faith-based. And they wrote this devotional called God Seeks You, a powerful lesson from Legion in the Bible. Check this out. They write, I'm left speechless as he, Jesus, stops everything for one. One little forgotten, inconsequential person. And yet we find that he, that person, is far from unimportant. Jesus doesn't call legion in the Bible to come to him. Jesus goes and looks for him. How amazing is that? This one man living among the tombs was so important to Jesus. Jesus went and found legion. He goes out of his way to seek him out. So as is our typical question, what's that have to do with us today, you and me? Well, as the Rosevine Cottage Girls remind us, this one man, the man called Legion, overrun with demons, this one guy was important enough to Jesus that he went to him. He crossed the lake in the boat with all the disciples. He sought him out and brought freedom to his life. Reminds us of the story of Jesus later in this same book of Luke, Luke 15, one of my favorite stories, where the shepherd leaves the 99 the 99 sheep, to go to the one that needs help. That's who Jesus is. That's what he does. Everybody's important to Jesus, even the guy running naked and living among the dead. Especially the guy who's naked and living among the dead. Because Jesus specializes in the least and the last and the lost. So as we said earlier, just because we have our clothes on, that's good. That's a good thing here. Good start. And we're not hanging out in a cemetery. That doesn't mean that we don't have some demons ourselves. We've already talked about that a little bit. They just express themselves more subtly for most of us than they did for this man named Legion. And Satan knows our weaknesses, knows our hot buttons, knows when we are uh, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired and kind of zeroes in on some of that. He knows when to kind of attack, when. Mm. He's willing to hit us wherever it hurts. His mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's John 10.10. Steal our joy, kill our dreams, destroy our lives. Satan's minions are out there, and their mission is to ruin our lives. I love Ephesians 6. I often get up in the morning and pray Ephesians 6, the armor of God. Good for all of us to do. So they are powerful, but here's the takeaway, that we want you to know that you know that you know, that They are no match 
for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No match. As we saw last week, Jesus calmed the storm with a word. Jesus uh, cared for the uh, man with the shriveled hand. Je Jesus put the world into existence, creator God. Jesus cast out demons of this man and put it into swine. Oh my gosh, how powerful is that? Nothing, no one can compare to the power of Jesus Christ. Nothing, no one is greater. Mm. But here's the thing to always remember. Jesus isn't just powerful, he's also personal. Not just powerful, he's personal. And what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It means this, and, and never forget it. Everyone, every person, each and every one of us matters to Jesus, as we found in this story. Everyone matters to Jesus. No matter where they are, no matter what they've done, they matter to Jesus. And that includes you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and me. Every one of us matters. And, and here's the thing. He came to us. He didn't wait for us to come to He came to us in the flesh. That was what Christmas was all about, wasn't it? Jesus coming to us. And he continues to come to us today. That's what that grace thing we talk about all the time is all about. He reaching out to us, often before we even knew that. We call that prevenient, before, before we knew. Before we even knew, reaching out, drawing us in. I like the, the, old, the old courting term, wooing us. You ever heard of wooing? Trying to draw you into relationship with himself. Reaching out to each and every one of us. And why? Because we matter. We matter to him. You, me, we matter. A lot of you have said, okay, I've done that. That's great. It's awesome. Stay connected. Some of you might say, okay, I'm feeling a little bit disconnected. I'm feeling distant. I, I don't know what to do. There, there is... I like lists, you know that. I like step, do this, then this, then this. So I'm going to give you a this, the this, the this of perhaps what you can do to realize, to accept Jesus into your life. The first step, it, it's the ABCs, you know, A, B, C, D is we're going to stop at C. <laughs> a, many of you know this, admit. Admit that we need a Savior. Admit that our own thing, however we're doing it, doesn't work. Just, okay, God, uh, surrender the, uh, admit, I, I'm, I'm a mess. Admit. Next, B, believe. Believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that Jesus is on the throne. And that's the step of faith. If you're trying to rationalize it, it doesn't work. Just, it's a step of faith. Yes, Jesus, I believe. So admit you're a sinner. Admit you need him. Admit that you fall short. That's sin. Missing the mark. Believe that Jesus is the Lord. And then, that's part of the C part, the confess, but I'm going to go to a different C. Commit. Commit your life to him. Okay, I'm drawing a line in the sand, Jesus. 
I admit that I'm a mess. I believe that you are the one, the only one who can truly help me, and I commit my life to you. So what does that look like? In all of our get up thinking, okay, how do you want me to order my day? How do you want me to use my mouth? How do you want me to reach out? Uh, I have to go to work. Uh, I'm going in the office, Lord. Uh, be in me and use me in a positive way instead of a, you know, don't make me, don't help me tear things down or be critical, but help me, use me to build things up. This world needs good news. Use me, Lord, and live it out. That's called sanctified, like holy, living it out in a holy, holy way, meaning, okay, Jesus is in me, so I am now going to operate in that mode instead of my own self. And oh, if we have Jesus here, maybe I'm here, but I'm going to try and try and try to align myself. So when Jesus sees me, or when you see me, you'll see something different. When people see you, they'll see something different. And that different is this love that Jesus had. A love that is different than just that cultural kind of stuff. Admit, believe, commit. So that's kind of the action step here because what Jesus did for that man is available to us. And we don't have to do the ABCs once. It's not a one and done. It's an every day for me. How about you? Are you ready? You ready to be alive? Alive in the river. Uh, the song, uh, On My Knees, uh, I can't remember what it was. I'll trust in you. Uh, what's it called? Uh, touch the sky. We got to get on our knees so our you know, heart touches the sky. You know, depend. He's there. He's coming after you. You can keep running, but it doesn't work. Or we just remain miserable. So I went really off. I don't, I'm not even going to look at how I'm supposed to end this. I just, we just want you to know that miracles still happen today. And they can happen in your life. That's the good news of the gospel. Let's live it and let's believe it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Mighty God, thank you so much. This Luke chapter 8, I wasn't sure I was going to even say that starting, although I am so thankful for your word, but this was a hard one to think about those things in our lives that those demons that kind of come at us. Help us get real with ourselves, look deep down inside, and be free. Free in you. Freedom. You can turn those dark places, those graves, into beautiful places. Graves into gardens. And so we thank you. And we praise your holy name. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 
1-800-269-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers. Thank you.